Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to Full Chat, the weekly F1 news and discussion show that doesn't care that it's early January and there's been no F1 news to actually discuss. Uh, as always, we've done our best to scrape the motorsport barrel for some F1 content and we hope you'll all join the discussion in our YouTube chat. And remember, any Super Chat questions get a guaranteed answer, but even if you're a cheapskate and you don't pay us money, we'll probably answer you anyway. Joining me, as always, is my co-host and best mate, Alex Van Jean, who always plays football on Wednesday nights... But decided he'd rather record on a Tuesday, so I no longer have to ask the question, Alex, did you win the football? No. Um, but I will tomorrow. Um, actually, no, I won't tomorrow, because I'm going to be in Hull eating tapas tomorrow. Ooh, okay. You're, you're always around travelling at the moment, aren't you? Your job seems to send you far afield. Yeah, and I'm away next week as well. So um, luckily, I'm, it's part of the reason we've moved it to Tuesdays, because actually, none of my away stuff seems to be on Tuesdays. They're always midweek. So that's part of the reason we've moved it to Tuesday night, and it's a little bit less pressure, and I think 9 o'clock is a better time too. Yeah, so I, I managed to cook some dinner and kind of sit down ready. We did our little pre-show prep. Everything seemed to work. I don't have any red lights flashing this time, and so, I mean, that's, that's a good start. Um, so before we actually get going, just a quick reminder, if you're joining us on the Twitter space and want to get involved in the chat, head to YouTube. The link's on my Twitter profile or just search for Brad Philpot on YouTube. So tonight, uh, what are we going to talk about? We're going to give our totally baseless opinions on each F1 driver's prospects for the season ahead. Um, and we're also going to look back at the curious case of Luca Badoa and his 2009 Ferrari F1 chance. And just finally, before we get started, just want to offer my condolences to the motorsport world for the loss of Ken Block. I saw that in my newsfeed this morning. And that was very, very sad. So It was the first thing I saw when I woke up this morning and I was gutted yeah. you know i'm not a big i'm not a big rally fan but i've watched a lot of the jimmy car jimmy jim carner stuff uh i've always jimmy loved his, car stuff jimmy car <laughs> stuff i've always enjoyed his um appearances on top gear 
um and he's always just seemed like a really nice guy um but he posted a he posted a tiktok the other day with him on a snowmobile doing stunts and stuff on a snowmobile and yeah yeah what I a saw... terrible thing seemed to happen in the winter in snow yeah, I saw a heartbreaking tweet from him from less than 24 hours before that news where he was you know, bigging up his daughter's YouTube show. So anyway, condolences to the Block family. And uh, luckily, there's lots of nice videos for us to watch of him doing cool stuff. Um, we've got a question already from Jamie Kowatch in the chat who says, what's happened with the last two shows? They've been gone by the time I could catch the recording. The last two mystery shows that we will <laughs> never talk about. So it's it's no secret that we've had some minor technical glitches the last couple of weeks, but I think we're back to firing all cylinders now. It looks like it's working. We've got you, you've people... thrown enough money at it that it, it should be fine. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> the um, computer's not screaming at you. That's the important part. Yeah. And we, um, it, I, I have I have YouTube on next to me on my iPad. That's one extra viewer. Good. And it looks good. Oh, okay. yeah. Got to press the, oh, yeah. It's all my extra viewers. Everybody press the like button. Yeah. That always if you're helps. watching, press like. So shall we start off by actually talking about our first topic? So yes. we're going to try and remember each of the Formula One drivers' names and what team they drive for. And we're just going to tell you what we think they're going to do this year, how well they're going to do. Um, so, unfortunately, do we start from the bottom or from the top? Do you mean in terms of last year's team performance? I think Correct. that's probably a good way to go. Uh, I, I was hoping you didn't mean um, in terms of which drivers you like the least, because that could be very mixed <laughs> up. Um, okay, yeah, so let's start from the bottom. So that is obviously going to be Williams. With Logan Sargent it, and Alex Albon. It was Williams, wasn't it? Haas did out. It was Williams, right. yes. Okay. Yeah, so a, a new driver and a, mm -hmm. a relatively experienced driver. Um, who Do you want to go first? Shall I go first? Well, I'll, I'll go first. I'll start with Albon because I like Alex Albon. I think he's, he seems like a lovely guy. Um, he seems a bit feisty. I mean, I think he'll probably have the better of Logan Sargent over the course of a season just on experience stakes, unless Logan is you know, top, top tier. Because the thing that everyone seems to forget about Alex Albon was Alex Albon was shoulder to shoulder with George Russell, with Lando Norris, all the way up to Formula One. Um, shoulder to shoulder, had, but just slightly behind in terms just, of performance. But he was in the same conversations, you know? Um, and, you know, I think he had an incredibly difficult first year. Chucked into Toro Rosso, was doing really, really well at Toro Rosso, and then halfway through the season, chucked into... Um, uh, into, into the full Red Bull team under Max Verstappen for 12 months. And I, I just think it was such a difficult thing to chuck a young lad like that into, literally into the fire pit. And everyone was surprised that he struggled against Max, but then every other team made sense of struggling against Max. So, you know, I, I, I believe Albon's a talented driver. I don't know a great deal about Logan Sargent. What do you know about him, Brad? Okay, so, so first of all, I agree with you pretty much on your assessment of, of Albon. I, I think we kind of have a handle on his pace now. Uh, I don't think he's had the easiest first couple of years in Formula One. And and I, I think he's pretty good. He's like kind of fine. Um, but I'm not a massive album fan. Um, Logan Sargent is, he's one of these drivers that has shown promise and may well have been able to win Formula Two given an extra season or two. He he's kind of been a bit sporadic. He's had some really high highs in Formula 2 and then some weekends where he's kind of just been a bit absent. So he's certainly not someone who has come through the junior ladder and forced his way to the top. Like It wasn't like Logan Sargent had to be in Formula 1. I think it 
it helps that he comes with probably quite a bit of funding but he's not uh he's not just an out and out terrible pay driver he's he's a, a driver who is definitely going to bring some money but is also pretty good with it and maybe we haven't had time to see him long enough in the junior series to to see whether he could have been champion how much of logan getting the drive is because he's american and obviously the massive drive for f1 in america is he is it a case of would he have got there on talent if he was nobody from an from an from a undisclosed country or has the american helped i don't think it's hurt but i don't think that's the main thing i Good. i can't claim to know exactly how much budget he's bringing but chat can correct me if i'm wrong i'm pretty sure his family are, are in the billionaire territory um i might maybe i'm wild yeah, really? there, but i'm pretty sure i read that if not pretty spectacularly wealthy so that i mean most drivers on the way up the ladder are somewhere in that region of wealth at the moment but um i don't i think that probably helped more than the nationality but the nationality is obviously gonna you know write a lot of headlines and put a lot of eyeballs on so hopefully he's gonna be really good and that'll mm. and it'll give alban a run for his money and that'll give americans something to cheer for because i don't think that many americans are really like behind their team which is Haas. i guess but i think that's got a lot to do with Haas being rubbish at the moment they haven't been inspiring apart from every season the first five races they do really well and then they just slip further and further back but um i mean well we moved to to oh it's actually alpha towery next has, has actually beat alpha towery so um we'll come back and have a conversation about the americans when we get to Haas because Haas is going to be an interesting one next year but um okay so alpha towery so we've got our missed apex christmas party um quiz um what's the right word appearance man totally your friend and you had his number and did a video for you nick devries you, you definitely didn't pay for it on um on, on, on cameo would you believe nick devries <laughs> formula one driver is on cameo you can just i mean i don't know yeah. whether he still is but this was in kind of november how time. yeah how long ago did you ask him though it was about november so, um, oh, so he was signed within 24 hours he'd come back with a really nice video you know really because <laughs> i can't imagine anyone knows who he is so no one would ask him it's probably a decent way for him to make some extra cash um i just my... i can't see that he can be making that much from it because it wasn't very expensive some of them make a lot of money i mean it's like um jay from the inbetweeners yes makes a made a was one of the first people to make a proper fortune because what he used to do is because jay is basically uh, the guy who plays jay who i can't remember his name the guy uh he is basically him in real life so all he used to do was wake up he used to wake up in the morning be in bed and just do a whole bunch of cameos from his bed yeah. <laughs> and just did it all day long i got paid a bloody fortune for it i thought it was class they were all exactly the same um talking saying all the words that he loves to say in in in, in the in-betweeners and got paid a fortune for it well, anyway nick devries um yeah, i nick think DeVries. i think he's gonna be really good he was i know he had the, the perfect situation for his debut um at williams Pe penalties for cars ahead of him um uh, a race where he kind of he, why did he end up in the points did some cars go out of the race in front the williams were no he qualified he, he well because of everything he qualified ninth and finished ninth didn't he so but the reason for the qualifying so high was there were definitely some grid penalties for certain yes. drivers and but i think he, he just hung in he didn't he had a very i don't want to say lackluster but he didn't have a very exciting race no but i mean he just perfect perfect he just, for a first I, race he probably just kept himself in the wheel tracks of somebody else stayed in the slipstream uh, of whoever was around him 
and just managed to make it work. So it was obviously uh, the perfect race to be in a Williams. I think it's the, it's the race where they could strip off all their draggy, inefficient downforce and, and just have pretty a pretty bare car. And they knew they were going to get Latifi. Well um, yeah, but he, Latifi didn't do too badly either. Pretty certainly was still last. Probably, but I now have, I now have to check that. But I'm pretty certain he was still last. But anyway, De Vries did a, a mega job that weekend, and he really did, especially going in undercooked. And I mean, and we're going to talk about drivers going in undercooked a little bit later in the show when we do history with Alex and Brad. But um, I think he will be really solid. He'll have some ups, have some downs, um, and he'll use his massive experience because you know this is a driver who's who's been around for a while now in multiple series. He's not going to be that phased by too many things. Um, and and I think he'll do really well. And I think on pure pace, Yuki Tsunoda, his teammate, will maybe be faster, outright faster over one lap. I fully expect Nick to, to finish the season with more points. Is that fair? Um, I don't know. I still think Yuki... I think Yuki's got some pace to come i think he's learning he's getting faster and faster he's getting more consistent um so i think it's gonna be a really good battle between those two um where you don't have the out and out veteran versus yeah. a versus a rookie um so you have a guy with two years experience versus a guy with 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 one race experience um and a couple of test sessions and whatever but um so i think it could be good i think it's gonna be close really really close so built to jez lexus on the youtube chat says nick is more mature which means no boneheaded mistakes and low stealth says crap i missed the technical difficulties segment shut up low stealth <laughs> we don't we never have problems we don't do technical difficulties not anymore um nope. okay so next Shh, don't say it too loudly next up the grid is Hass. so Hass is Hass is my they're my kind of meh team like mm -hmm. I don't really, really pay that much attention. I kind of wanted Mick Schumacher to do well because he just seemed really nice, but now he's gone. Um, and who do we have? We've kind of it's the old person team now, isn't it? We've got like it's K Mag and and, and Hulk, which and is interesting because they had the suck my balls moment, um, where after some sort of altercation on on track, uh, Nico comes to have a word with Kevin Magnussen, and K Mag just goes suck my balls, which was one of the best memed re-gift things ever it's extremely um, immature but i i found that absolutely hilarious. <laughs> especially because uh, it was actually a misquote initially uh, people thought he said suck my balls honey um but i think it was actually mate i think it was just the accent you couldn't hear but yeah it was suck but, my balls mate but, but honey is so much more funny because it's just so much more sassy um but anyway yeah. i've never heard the i've never heard the thought of it could have been honey oh really it's always it's always handed like mate to that, me. that was the caption at the first few times i saw it when it was a new thing uh... it said honey and i just found that really funny anyway i think they're fine now they're both a bit older i'm sure yeah. they'll have flare-ups i think hulkenberg's in a position where he's just happy to get back in f1 in a race seat and magnuson's in a similar position and they're both neither of them are up and coming um, new fresh drivers out there to try and prove a point they're both drivers who thought their formula one career was over and mm -hmm. and it's and it's not so they're happy to be there um nico is fully intent on increasing his in his terrible terrible record of the driver with the most races without a podium can you imagine if he comes back 
and gets that first race with Haas. <laughs> I mean, he was Hulkenberg's been an excellent stand-in. He did a great job mm. at Silverstone in the Aston. Um, and and what what did he drive this year? Was he in the Aston or was that this year? No, hang on. It was it was Silverstone in a racing point, wasn't it? Was it the year before? Oh my god. Connor Don't Edwards know. in the chat or Kyle Power, who's there now, can help us out. Kyle will know. We've got some Kyle pro- knows everything. We've got some geeks in the chat for sure that can help us. Um, but uh, who's going to come out on top, Hulkenberg or Magnussen? I, I, I think. Uh, do you know what? Nico doesn't. I was going to say doesn't tend to get in scrapes unless he's fighting for a podium. He doesn't tend to get in scrapes, and K Mag hit everything at the beginning part of the season. Um, it's another one I think will be close, but I actually think Nico might just score more points as long as the car is reliable. Um, but you know, it's just. Uh, Nico will be desperate to do something with that car and for that car to be better. Um, do we have any indication that the car's going to be better? Have they had more sponsorship? Have they had more yes, tools okay. of the car? When did they last work on the car? Yes, so that on, kind of stuff because they, they often stop development quite early, don't they? In terms of sponsorship, definitely they have a big new sponsor and they're going to be at the budget cap or so we're told. Who was their new sponsor? I do remember something about this. It's MoneyGram. Their new sponsor uh, is another MoneyGram. one of these um, NFT um, Bitcoin oh, people. I, I don't think that's what MoneyGram is. I think MoneyGram oh, is God. an international transfer website, um, you know, where you can send money abroad. But I might be wrong. Um, our chat is telling us that this is a combination of all of the geeks we've got today. Connor Edwards, <laughs> Carl Power and Built Tujers Lotus. Um, they're saying uh, this year Vettel had covid Hulkenberg replaced him for Silverstone. Uh, sorry, he, he was in for Silverstone in Germany 2020, and he did one race for Aston this year. So there we go. Thanks, thanks, chat. Always yeah, MoneyGram. They are money money transfers. If you want to contribute and be a massive geek in our chat, and you're listening <laughs> on the Twitter space, remember to go to the YouTube channel and, uh, you, and find us there, and you can see our lovely faces. If you want two guys who know nothing to steal all your information, come to us. <laughs> Conor Edwards saying international transfer website um, sounds more dodgy than an NFT. Um, so <laughs> it does. I have no idea what an NFT is. I've tried really, really hard to understand what an NFT is, and then people are people companies that I that I like are doing NFTs, and I'm like, I don't know what it is, and I don't care. Well, um, we maybe we can talk about that on another show. Um, Let's do an NFT podcast. What's the next team up the grid from Haas? <laughs> so we've had Williams, Alpha Tauri. God, Alpha Tauri were really low, weren't they? It is Aston Martin, the dumpster fire that is going to be Aston Martin this year. And I'm going to laugh and laugh and laugh at how things go between Fernando Alonso, Aston Martin, Papa Stroll and Lance. Because the second something goes wrong, or it seems like they favour Lance in something, which they will do because daddy runs the team, Alonso's going to lose his shit. And I can't fucking wait. So I was I was waiting to go to the guest um, chat, uh, page. So it was just you. I was going to let you have a rant. And I, I was going to say, so Alex, what do you think about the <laughs> Aston Martin team in 2023? I know you've got some thoughts, but you already did it. So um, so I don't need to ask you. Yeah, so I know no. you're a, a notorious anti-Fernando Alonso fan. Prick. Um, I actually, <laughs> like, I appreciate the the negative sides of Alonso. Um, he's, he's said and done some you know toxic things um and his just fans, a couple just his, a few things his fan base are certainly among the um or certainly sometimes among the less wholesome um when it comes to certain issues 
Um, but <laughs> I, so purely as a driver, <laughs> did I tread carefully enough there? Purely as a driver, I kind of, he's my guilty pleasure. I kind of like him. I kind of like Oh, he's him. a fantastic driver. I kind of like the massive I've... confidence. I mean, I wanted him to come when he came back in. Whenever it was, I wanted him to be shit, and I wanted him, I wanted um, Ocon to absolutely annihilate him and just show that he's now become a hack. But he's not, and he has very much proved he is good enough to be on the grid, even at seventy-four years old. Oh my god! But it doesn't take away from the fact that he's a massive douchebag. He's the I- only Formula One driver older than you, isn't he? So you should like him. Oh shit. Because he's making he's making you still in the Formula One driver age. He bracket. is, yeah. Because then it's then it's Lewis who's yeah. the next oldest, and I'm older than Lewis. And, and, yeah. And Lewis is much older than me. So there's a couple of F1 drivers buffer before. He's I'm about older. six months older than you. Yep. Yep. <laughs> sure is. It's it's alright. The very first thing that my wife said to me um, after all the fireworks had finished and New Year's was, "You're going to be forty next year." I'm like, "Thanks, love." Oh my goodness! Well, we mm. best go do a fun, a big fun party to make you forget about it. Um, who do you think is going to come out on top? I know you don't like Alonso, but he's going to be Fernando. Gonna, he's going to smash Stroll, isn't he? Uh, unless they do something horrific to him, it's going to be Fernando, based on just talent alone. Um, it's going to be a case of will Lance put up any form of fight or no fight at all. Um, and I'm kind of straying towards the latter because I just don't think Lance has got any better. He's just, he's hit, I think he's hit his peak and is now just leveled out. And he's now an acceptable F1 driver because he's had enough time. Yes. And we are in furious agreement on this particular subject. Lance Stroll is an absolutely fine F1 driver now. Um, because anyone would be if you're just in it forever. <laughs> you know, if you just keep doing it with no pressure to actually, or, or little pressure, less pressure than most people to actually get the results that the car is capable of, then you can, yeah, just keep going until until you're good enough at it. Eventually, it's, most people it, are going to get good at a thing. It's like playing the same computer game over and over and over again. You've never played it before. You don't know the controls, so you're rubbish to start with. But you play it for hours and hours and hours and hours for years and years and years, and all of a sudden you're good. But unfortunately, everyone else is off doing something else. But that said, you know, obviously we understand if we jumped in a Formula One car, Lance Stroll would eat us alive by about 25 seconds of that. Um, so who's next Speak up? Speak for so, yourself. Um, okay, <laughs> obviously, more, obviously more for you. Uh, <laughs> Alfa Romeo. Oh, God, I, I said Haas was my meh team. Um, Alfa Romeo is, is double meh. I just could not care. I do not care about Alfa Romeo. <laughs> when they're Audi in a couple of years' time, and it's, a, it's like a proper factory effort, I'll care more. Yep. But, yeah, I mean, the fact that Alfa Romeo isn't even the engines they use, and you know, they're they just have, they're milling just about, aren't they? Yeah. But they beat Aston, they beat Haas, they beat Alfa Tauri, they beat Williams. Yeah. yeah so yeah. they're not doing a bad job. Um, so either they're actually pretty good driver pairing, um, and obviously the Ferrari engine being good, and maybe they are getting help from Ferrari, and Sauber generally being a good outfit has, you know, put them in there just, just below McLaren. So, you know? I, I like I like the drivers. Obviously, mm-hmm. Bottas, we know Bottas well, and we, we know his level. A known quantity. Yeah, we know Bottas is, he can be really fast. He can, you know, he kind of pushed Lewis some of the time. He's an I amazing qualifier. Over the, over the course of their time together, obviously, I, I think Lewis had quite significantly had the beating of him, especially in, in race pace. But 
Bottas is, is fine. He, again, he's he's a decent driver, multiple race winner, etc. Joe has also impressed me this mm-hmm. season. I thought he he was much closer to and ahead of frequently Bottas than I expected him to be. And yep. I think he's one of those drivers a little bit like Nick DeVries, who's benefited from extra time in the junior series, mm-hmm. not being rushed through a junior program uh, to kind of mature. And, you know, just we've had for, for years and years, we've had this thing where if you're not in a Formula One car by the time you're 17, you're washed up, you're too old. <sighs> if you're in your 20s and you're in Formula One, uh, there's another kid on the way through. I yep. think now, especially with the, the trickier type of cars we have now, Mm-hmm. I, I think experience counts for a lot more and i think having an extra couple of years is not a bad thing to mm. to build up your confidence and your experience and your engineering level in the junior series so i think joe is is actually potentially going to beat bottas this season I, I mean i thought joe was great last year definitely rookie of the year only rookie but definitely rookie of the year oh, yeah. um uh but he wasn't flying off the road he wasn't making a lot of the rookie mistakes that we'd generally expect for somebody in a car like an Alfa, like an Alfa Romeo, um, and was just solid. You know, the biggest crash he had was Silverstone, where Russell hoofed him off into the fence. And apart from that, he's been absolutely solid. And bearing in mind we know Bottas is a good driver, you know, okay, he's not top, top tier. He had five years to prove that, and he's not top, top tier. But he's close enough to fight with him. And Joe's hung with him. And that's really, really impressive in a new formula. Cars that are tricky, you know, they're much harder to drive these cars. Um, they've got a lot less um, sort of downforce and, and, and the, the, the low speed corner grip is much, much worse. And he's just handled it, you know. And one of the things we see from lots of rookies is they end up in the wall often. And I can't remember too many occasions where he's made many mistakes. So yeah. solid, and I think yeah, I think I still think Bottas will have the better of him, um, because Bottas does have that level of quality, and and but I think Joe will give him a, a run for his money. So I have to just acknowledge, and this won't mean anything to the guys on Twitter. We have had our first technical issue, and that <gasps> is my my cheapo Amazon ring wow. light is flashing. I think <laughs> somehow <laughs> the LEDs are on the way out and I've got like a disco going on in my in my simulator. So I'm going to just turn that light around. I'm going to look Cons- a bit darker on the YouTube stream. Considering the last few weeks, I'll take it. If it looks like I'm, you know, flashing away in here um, and it's like a strobe light, apologies. I can't reach the off button, so I actually can't <laughs> disable it entirely. It's stuck down the back of the desk. I see. If you're a good producer, you just put it onto me and then you'd slightly move and then come back. Oh, my God. Once, once I next get talking. Alex, tell us what you think about Bottas's chance this year. So we've already talked about Bottas. We can next actually move on to McLaren next um, because somehow Alfa Alpha Romeo came after McLaren, just after McLaren. And this is the big one for me this year. So we have Lando Norris and Oscar Piastri. We know Norris is world-class. Uh, he's, 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 in, he's there to rub shoulders with the best in the business, and I genuinely believe that, and it's not because I'm a massive fan. Um, and that he shared a photo with me over in, over in some cafe. Oh, yeah, in, we should have had that. Ascot. Make sure you send that to me so we can have that ready for next time. Yeah, Alex. Next was, time we mention Lando Norris. Alex was just in a cafe. This is how small the UK is for anyone watching or listening <laughs> in America. Alex was just in a random cafe. And Having Lando, a meeting with a customer. And Lando Norris was just there. He was just, that's it. Just, he just it sent was, us it was a photo. I, I was sat 
and I was having a conversation with this guy. This guy knew nothing about Formula One. And I completely stopped listening to what he was talking about because I got distracted. And I'm and I keep looking over and he looked at me and went, You're right. I went, I think that's Lando Norris. He goes, Who's Lando Norris? And I put my head <laughs> in my hands and I went, Oh, just one of the top F one drivers in, 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 at the moment. Oh, I don't watch Formula One. I'm like, yeah, I, I realise that. Um, and I paid no attention for the rest of the meeting. I finished the meeting. I got him to leave, and then I went over like an absolute geek as a 38 year old man and asked this 20 something year old for an autograph. Well, for a photo. Don't do autographs anymore. But he was lovely. In that same meet, in that same week, we met Sergio Perez. Yeah, we we specifically went to an Indian restaurant that we thought maybe yeah, some people might be, and it, it wasn't because we're like massive fanboys that wanted to necessarily meet particular F one drivers. We just we just had a hunch that maybe they'd go there, and we wanted to kind of prove our suspicions right. And sure enough, we went to this Indian restaurant. My light's still flashing. I thought I fixed it. Uh, we went to this Indian restaurant, and the owner was a bit more on edge than he should have been and was a bit more distracted and Alex's Coke was flat and that and telling him not that, like the fact that I had flat Coke. No. Um, and, and then I was and, wrong. Apparently lo and behold, Sergio Perez and half his engineering team all wander in and have their meal at the table behind us. So there we go. Um, so, uh, so we've done Norris and Piastri. Uh, yeah, sorry. I was trying to fix this light whilst you were talking about that. Yes. I wasn't, wasn't so, listening at all. Oh, this is an exciting one actually, to be fair. Yeah, so we we know Norris is a known quantity, so he's going to be amazing as he has been every single year since he joined the sport. Now, I think for Oscar Piastri, because of the chaos that he caused, and I think chaos is the right word for when he unceremoniously told um, Alpine over Twitter that he wasn't going to join them and he was going to join McLaren, even though he had a contract and Al- and Alpine were not expecting it in the slightest. Um, and then the chaos that then ensued after it with with wars of words between pretty much every single level of management in Formula One, he has to perform. I, 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 I'm not giving him the rookie card that I normally give most rookies. You can't come in and try and put your foot down with that much authority and then not be at the top of your game straight away. It was very um, ballsy, and I loved it. It was awesome. I'm completely here for the drama. Oh, absolutely. And I, I don't know anything about the kid. I haven't really watched him race. Um, I haven't really heard much of an interview with him, so I don't know if I like the yeah, way he talks been, and the way he's and the way he's, and the way he sounds. So I have no opinions apart from you've got to perform, kid. Okay, so I think... I think he will be, despite way less experience, I think he will be much closer to Lando on a regular basis than Ricardo was. Having said that, that's not difficult because the golf that Ricardo had was pretty significant at times. Um, I think Lando will clearly still... I mean, Lando is top draw, so he he would hold a candle to any driver. I think he could be Verstappen's teammate and Lando is one of the few drivers who would pretty much max match max him that was an unintentional um <laughs> and so i think anyone will struggle against lando having said that if piastri does match him or get way closer than ricardo he's going to look like a hero and the hype mm-hmm. will be justified so i'm i'm oh, hoping that will happen i think that team could be awesome and i have to talk about how much i miss danny rick i i danny is is one of my favorite drivers i think he's a lovely guy 
and I uh, I watched the um, repeat of the Chinese Grand Prix in twenty eighteen, maybe I can't remember what year it was, where there was a late safety car, him and Max. Max was ahead of him, both pitted onto new tires. Um, he had also had loads of issues in qualifying and in the and in practice with engine modes and he came through the field max messed it up twice he went off the road trying to overtake lewis and he hit um seb and then with just some incredible moves with incredible late braking just took everybody and even even bottas put up a rough defense and he got him in a really unique place and that's danny rick just doesn't disappear so i hope and we'll talk about this later when we get to Red Bull. But um, I hope he enjoys his year off and then comes back fighting. So Danny Rick suited that previous generation of cars. Correct. I mean, we, we've had this conversation before, but he I just don't know whether Danny Rick will ever get to grips with this generation. I know it's nice to have a year out and your motivation can come back, but I don't feel like he wasn't motivated. I feel like sometimes your style just doesn't gel with a particular... Um, style that's required for certain types of car. These cars are really specific, and just maybe it was just beyond Danny to adapt to that. Which is no, there's no shame in that. But I, I don't think he'll ever be back and be fast unless the cars change quite a lot in the way they need to be driven. While we're talking about McLaren, let's talk about that pedal cam. Yeah, okay. We've, me and you have talked a lot about this. So ever since I've known you and been using your Sims, and the first time I ever got in any of your Sims, I'm like, God, your um, brake pedal is stiff. And you've always told me that that's what race car pedals, doesn't matter what race car you're in, um, they're always stiff because they're not servoed and it's the best way to get the best feel out of a brake. Out of a brake. And what yeah, just, we've just, seen... to, just to quickly explain that, hu- humans, and I know you know this, humans are better at sensing and judging pressure, the amount pressure. of pressure that they are applying with their limbs to an object than how far they're moving it. So if you were to give someone uh, a test, a blind test, where they had to describe how much pressure they've applied to a certain machine you know whatever you're testing say it's a brake pedal um, and accurately replicate that so if you said okay apply a certain amount of pressure okay now do that again with the same amount you'll find it's much more accurate than if you say move this object in space you know if you say you can't see what you're moving okay now move it the same distance again you'll find it's much more variation in the distance and that's why brake pedals tend to be stiff in race cars because you're not trying to move you're not trying to think of okay i need to move the pedal three centimeters mm-hmm. you're trying to think i need to press it this hard and you can do that more accurately and, and you know replicate it better so anyway so that's the reasoning behind it and you've you yourself have experienced this because you've driven single yep. seat race cars and yep. prototypes like kind of mini le mans cars and mm-hmm. were, were the pedals really stiff yep Okay. Really, really stiff, and it's that case of you know. They, I think they talk about with the with the F one cars, you've got to put one hundred and twenty kilos of pressure. Now, bearing in mind, most of the drivers weigh around sixty eight kilos, so that's nearly double their weight that they have to push down on the brake pedal. And apparently, if they were just sat stationary in the car, they couldn't do it. And they actually use the g force and the deceleration to actually help add force. I think there's there's um, a bit of hyperbole there because I think you definitely can replicate 
this. I'll give you a little tangential story on this oh, in a moment. For it. But okay, well, I, I was part of a Formula Three scholarship competition a few years back called Race to Reality. It was run by the Carlin Carlin team. You know, you'll know Carlin from Formula Three and Formula Two. Um, and I got through to the grand final of this. And one of the assessments, what Carlin at their factory had a a simulator which was specifically for training drivers to apply the brakes in the correct way. So it was literally like a racing simulator, except it didn't do anything other than have a screen in front of you with a series of graphics that would appear. And each time a graphic appeared, you had to press the brake pedal as if you were trying to slow the car down from a really high speed, say into a chicane at Monza, something like that. And you would do this, repeat it maybe 20 or 30 times, and then you'd look at your data afterwards and see what shape your brake trace was. Um, and this is what, you know, they're, I'm sure it's even better now. This was a few years ago now. And that this is what their young drivers get to kind of practice on. And you definitely can apply the amount of kilos required. It is definitely easier, though, if you're already, you know, if your body's being mm. decelerated, your foot's being pressed into the pedal. But it doesn't add that much extra weight. But uh, okay. It'll only add, well, you can work it out. If your foot weighs a kilo, it'll only add, say it's 3G, it'll only add 3 kilos to the brake pedal. So... It doesn't make that much difference, but it helps. Uh, Sorry, carry on. Really so we, we've gone um, well off on a tangent. The we have. And brake so, pedal. so what we've seen from the cam box, the pedal cam box in the McLaren, is there seems to be a lot of play in that brake pedal. Um, I mean, like like rubbish simulator pedals, kind of like a potentiometer pedal kind of play in the pedals, which shocked both of us when we first saw it. Um, and from things that I've read and understood maybe i've misunderstood god knows what, what were the things i read but my understanding is he didn't get on with that because everything he does is in the brakes and obviously the brakes in that car are very different but apparently that braking system is a hangover from when alonso was at mclaren and they and it's not something that they have managed to change ah i remember where this came from this came from my um my 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 source inside red bull and they had a guy from mclaren come over to red bull uh, and that's where that information came from um so it's really really interesting that they employ that um obviously it's something that lando has gelled with and my understanding is it is something that danny rick struggled with um we'll never know for sure because he's actually been incredibly gracious since being unceremoniously dumped by the team um he's been incredibly gracious he hasn't ha he hasn't said a bad word about the mclaren outfit and he really could have done even in that interview that he had uh, a few weeks ago with beyond the grid he didn't say a bad word about mclaren did he so i uh, just to just to quickly touch on the break thing one more time just Go because on. i don't want to leave a geeky thing unfinished i have a couple of hypotheses on why that pedal moves so far so i know so your your view is from your red bull source that maybe it's a hangover from alonso's time at mclaren but i can't i know the drivers are a, a big influential part of a team but i don't i don't think the engineers would just go oh yeah okay we'll just have a floppy pedal i think there's a few things maybe it looks worse than it is because you're really zoomed in you know you're very very close to the pedal so any movement is going to look a little bit bigger. Um, I think also you can have a pedal with quite a bit of travel that is still stiff because it's it's just not really doing anything initially. So the pedal comes up a long way. It moves quite far, but the only bit that actually has stiffness is at the bottom. So it doesn't really do much until your foot gets 
further mm. down in the travel and the bottom bit of the travel is really firm um unlike a road car brake where you've got your servo assistance and you can gently brake in your road car you can kind of brake with your toes and the car will still slow down quite a lot if you mm -hmm. try to do that in a single seater nothing will happen even if you, <laughs> if, you if you brake pretty hard in a single seater nothing will happen um you have to brake really hard and then it and then a lot happens but yeah anyway I, whatever the reasons danny rick didn't get why are we even talking about danny rick he's not one of the drivers because um, I love him and I miss I him. Do. I know you do. Alex spent some time with Daniel Ricciardo at the Race of Champions. Um, I did. So let's move on to the next team. So I guess that's Alpine. It is. So we're, we're moving up the grid now. I'm, I'm so just the French to get team to with history. the two French. <laughs> so the French team with the two French drivers. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So two of my favourite drivers because really. Yeah, I really like Pierre Gasly. Okay. And uh, oh, apologies, Twitter. I just remembered. There's no mute, so when I just cough, you just hear it. Okay, sorry. I have to work that. <laughs> out. I have to like simultaneously press mute on both devices in future. Um, yeah, I really like Gasly. I just think he's cool, and I feel so bad for him for what happened at Red Bull when he was thrown in, and it just didn't work out at all. Um, yeah, I just I just really like Pierre, and I like Ocon too. You just too. fancy him. Gasly's one of the best looking drivers for sure. I think. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, I loved when he won as well um, at Monza. I didn't. Was, I wanted Carlos to win. That was one of my favourite things that ever happened in Formula One. Um, and Ocon, really, as well. I really like Ocon too because oh yeah, man, I was I was out of my seat like cheering when Gasly won. I was so happy. Um, Ocon, I really like because I like his origin story. I like mm -hmm. that he's too tall to be a Formula One driver, but he's there anyway. He is. Is he? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Taller than Russell. I think he might be. Um, I think he's as tall. They're certainly Google very similar. It, Google it now. Um, also, he came from, you know, humble beginnings, which is unusual yeah. nowadays. I just really like that. Um, and he, you know, he did well against Alonso this year. I know Alonso lost a lot of points, yada yada yada. But I think Ocon on balance was also pretty good. So I'm, I hope there's not too many fireworks there. I I know they've had their issues between each other in the past. Whatever, they're driving for a French Formula One team. It's got to be a dream to be a French driver driving for a decent F1 team. It's also French, and even though it's based in Enstone, which is a lovely place in the Cotswolds, by the way. Um, there is there is zero point zero one meter difference between George and Ocon in the favour of Ocon. Okay, okay. So I mean, they're, but they're both too tall to be Formula One drivers. Full chat coming at you with all the facts that you really, really want to know. 
I think, oh, I, I was going to say, I thought we talked about F1 driver heights before, but that was on Quickstop. Nice. That was on Quickstop uh, F1. I had that chat. Um, okay, um, so who's going to come out on top? Um, you'd say Ocon's the one that's the incumbent. He's got more experience with the team. He should come out on top, shouldn't he? I think they're both a very similar level of driver in terms of their ultimate performance. Um, I think, as does, who said it in our chat? Um, Low Stealth said it in our chat um, that Ocon Gasly is going to be way more interesting than K-Mag and Hulk and I totally and utterly agree because there is a lot of history apparently between these two apparently they don't get on or didn't get on they've obviously been smiling a lot for the cameras but when it comes to fighting for maybe podiums this car it's getting better and better there's, there's nothing to say that they won't be nipping at the heels maybe of the Ferrari Mercedes Red Bull set um, you know Will they take um, lumps out of each other? <laughs> Absolutely. And I can't wait. I think it's going to be down to the reliability of that car again. But I do think over the course of a season, I think Ocon's the better driver. So we did hear that um, Renault slash Alpine have, they've kind of located the cause of some of their major unreliability in 2022. Um, Good. Pointed towards a fuel pump issue. Um, which they think they've got rectified, so maybe that maybe that'll be resolved. Um, and I hate seeing retirements. I, honestly, the more reliable F one has been, the more and more I've enjoyed it, because you don't sit there for twenty laps and you're waiting for your favourite driver's car to break down. Um, so I think improved reliability has been a great thing, which is another reason I don't like why we have so few gearboxes and why we have so few engines, um, because when it gets to the end of the season, that all ramps up. So I think uh, this has been really good so far, like kind of revision on the upcoming season, because we've got so far some really good intra-team battles. Mm. There's some really good storylines, regardless of what the outright performance of each car is. The, these teammate battles are going to be really interesting to watch. So, so this is good. Uh, apart from Lance Stroll, I mean, and as I said, he's kind of been in it long enough now that he's made it worth it even with the rookies coming in i don't think there's anybody coming in who i'm like nah they shouldn't be in formula one yeah which it's been a long time since i felt that yeah we've, you know. we've got some people who are certainly greasing the wheels of their f1 entry with some backing but not nothing like the level of pay driver that we're used to from the the recent past so that's good it's definitely good formula one is becoming a i mean you'd hope that the the pinnacle of motorsport is is like elite and everyone yep. there is there on merit, but that definitely has, has never really been the case. So I think we're much closer to that than we have been in the past. Um, okay, I didn't really give my, my full views. I think Ocon's going to come out on top. I think Gasly will be the faster over a lap once he's used to the car. Um, Fair enough. So next up... <laughs> this is what the chat's been waiting for, isn't it? So we're up to the top three. We're up to we're up to Lewis and George. Okay, so Mercedes. I'm gonna uh, let you go first on this one. Okay, um, I've probably explained myself about Lewis and George quite a few times. They are statistically, in terms of qualifying pace, the most evenly matched pairing on the grid, which mm -hmm. means they're both really good because both of them are fast. So to match the other one, they they're doing really really well. It shows they're both getting pretty much the maximum out of that car all the time as well, even though it was a bit of a pig last year. Oh, it's mm -hmm. nice to say last year, isn't it? I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so glad we've moved on to a new year. Last year, next season, this year, that year. 
I think of all the teams, all the, the, the front running teams, the Mercedes drivers are the ones most likely to ruin each other's championships by taking points off each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're so evenly matched that you won't have a situation where one of them is always getting the upper hand and scoring the bigger points. It's going to be sometimes it's George ahead, sometimes it's Lewis ahead, and they're going to just, unless they are the dominant car, which is probably unlikely based on where they came from last year, um, I I think they are going to suffer. As a team, they'll get they'll do really well in the Constructors' Championship. I think neither of them will win the Drivers' Championship, unfortunately, because they will they will just be too close. And we saw, I know it was different because they were out of the championship hump, but Brazil, Mercedes were still letting them race. You know, even when it was really important for Mercedes to get that one-two result, they still let them race. They could have crashed, you know, if they got a bit closer to each other. Could have easily happened. So uh, that's my view on these two. I saw a snippet from Peter Windsor um, recently where he said that if he was running Mercedes, he would rip up George Russell's contract and say, I will write you another contract, but you will never finish ahead of Lewis Hamilton. Ooh, wow. um, and I understand that because I'm 90% certain, not that he's got an opportunity to, but I'm 90% certain there is something to that elk in Sergio Perez's contract because I agree with you on that front. I think it's going to be super close between George and Lewis. I think if the car hits the ground running, I do think Lewis will have the better of George um maybe not in qualifying but in race and looking after tires um and general management but I agree with you on the fact that they will probably take points off of each other what I could see happening though is if the red if the Mercedes is as good as the Red Bull I can see Lewis and Max murdering each other at 80% of the races and George picking up the pieces, which I think is highly likely. So George could win the championship purely because this vendetta between Lewis and Max isn't over. Yeah, wow, I forgot about that. Uh, Okay, yes, I I agree. I think if George and Lewis are super close as they were last season, anytime there's an opportunity for Max and Lewis to come together, they will. And that will be the deciding factor. I mean, it may well have been the deciding factor at Brazil. You know, Lewis may well have won that Brazil race without having to come back. I know he was helped out by the safety car, wasn't he, later on? But yeah. Anyway, um, two. I don't know if it's two JZ Lexus or two Jazz uh, built two Jazz Le- Lexus. Is that a type of engine? Two JZ. Anyway, in the chat, he says or she says, um, Mercedes and Lewis have done fine for years with very minimal team orders. Uh, people are overblowing it. They will take points off each other and Max. So there we go. That's that's their opinion. Oh, might be the, right. The problem is, is yes, they've done very well. They've they've helped F1 over their domination years by letting their drivers race. How boring would it have been if it was Max and Perez in the position that Mercedes were in for the last seven years? Yes. So I know I know we're not quite at Red Bull yet, but yeah, I've got reasonably firm opinions on on that. Shall we shall we move away from our beloved Mercedes and go to Ferrari? <laughs> yes, let's go to pff, a team that was lucky to hold on to second place in the championship, if I'm brutally Ooh. honest. Yes. I mean uh I love this driver pairing as well. I, I think I, I like both Charles and Carlos. I think it's really clear that Car- that Leclerc is the faster driver, um, but Carlos is a great, you know, rear gunner. You know, 
Um, and he'd hate he'd hate to be called a rear gunner, but he's not going to beat Charles. Um, but it's the outfit. The outfit just has to stop shooting itself in the foot. Maybe Fred Vasseur coming in will snap that out of them. But Ferrari have got to stop Ferrariing themselves. I mean, at least they've got stable management platform moving forward. Oh, oh no, <laughs> everything's been ripped up. Oh no. Uh, yeah, so this is just same Ferrari. goes for a couple of other teams though. We've yeah. properly we've had the biggest merry go round of team management that we've ever had. Yes, you're right. You're right. We've covered that before, but obviously Ferrari are are kind of the worst at this. They they're the they're the team that follow the football soccer um, management technique where if someone's not doing particularly well for a little while, you just sack them and get a new manager. And <laughs> um, and yeah, Ferrari have had a, a a bit of stability over recent years, but. Yeah, straight straight out the door now. Even though the team came second, and it was a big improvement over previous seasons. Um, yeah, I think Fred Vasseur is going to be good, but from everything I've heard, he's got even less power than Bonotto had. He's kind of just just a manager, doesn't have that much um, oversight, and there are there are kind of higher powers at work that want too much involvement on the ground level, and that's never going to be good. But do you know what? If it means he is just team principal and his only role is making sure that team runs well, then that's hopefully a good thing. But the biggest thing Ferrari had last year was indecisiveness. I mean, and the biggest examples of that were Silverstone and France, where they did not know what to do. Stop inventing. Stop Stop inventing. Stop inventing. And... Carlos is side by side with Perez into the final section of the cir- final section of the lap, and they're calling him in. What are you doing? He had to back out to go because he was on the inside. He had to back out to let Perez go to pit. It was dumb, and I, you know, I just think a lot of other teams, the team we are coming to next, are just so much more slick when it comes to strategy. So, in terms of the drivers, I, I like them both. Really like Leclerc. Oh, I feel like he's destined to never get a championship, though. I feel like mm. I feel like either he or the, whatever team he's with will conspire to um, not give him a, a chance at the championship. He looks so nailed on after the first few races in 2022. But um, yeah, love. But love having said that, having said that, if you're Mercedes, you're going to sign this new deal with Lewis Hamilton for a couple of years. Who do you who do you get coming in straight after Lewis Hamilton? Hundred percent, Charles Charles Leclerc, without yeah. a shadow of a doubt. Charles Leclerc or Lando, or both. I think Lando will be at Audi. I think he'll follow Andreas Ooh. Seidel across to Audi and, and lead that team. And that's interesting. I, and I, I think that. and I think you're right. I think we will see Charles at Mercedes. I hope we do, and I hope mm. Mercedes is still strong when he goes there. Yeah, because I don't like cheering for Ferrari, and I've had to cheer for yeah, Ferrari part exactly. of the season. <laughs> oh, no, I, I've not really thought about that, but I feel the same. I really want to cheer on Leclerc, but I just don't really like Ferrari very much. Um, Carlos Sainz, again, isn't a real number two. He's, he's too good to be a number two, but he's also... He's a 1.5. Yeah, he's not quite the number one either. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a quite a simple one, isn't it? Um, mm. We've got a conspiracy theory in the chat. I think ever since Monaco Gate, I don't think Sergio has been allowed to challenge Max, and since Brazil and Reb, oh, sorry, and since Brazil, Red Bull had a chance to stamp their authority and not to be rude, but they bent over to Max. So you can you can watch all about how Perez <laughs> crashed deliberately at Monaco um, on my YouTube channel. Just have a look. It was it was a video that did quite well because lots of people 
love that kind of stuff. But that's not a conspiracy theory. We've got hard evidence there, and you can you can uh, see what you think yourself. I agree with Connor. I, I think that they have been conspiring against Perez, but I think they've been conspiring since, against Perez since the beginning of the season when they realised that Perez just isn't fast enough to attack Max. I'm yes. sorry. There's, there's, it's a double whammy, there is, isn't it? There, there is absolutely nothing that Perez could have done to win the championship. Even if he had had absolute equal treatment, there's been lots of conversation about has he had the right car? Has he had Sorry, has he had the same car? Has he not? Um... I have information on that one, which I can get to in a sec. At the end of the day, Sergio Perez is nowhere near, not even close, not even in the same echelon as good as Max Verstappen. And this is coming from someone who does not like Max Verstappen, but I do like with Fernando Alonso, I appreciate how good the guy is. And Perez isn't that level. Perez's job is to bring home the constructor title to defend Max and bring home the Constructors title. Whether Perez likes it or not, that's his job. He's Rubens. He's the Rubens Barrichello to Max's Michael, Schumacher, um, Max Michael Schumacher. And that is it. I don't think I've ever in Formula One, in all my many, many years of watching Formula One, seen a teammate as subservient to his number one driver as Perez has been at Red Bull. I've never seen someone act so grateful to be given the chance to be in a car which occasionally gives you, you know, gives you a chance to be on the podium or win a race occasionally as Perez. And it's almost like this. This is going to sound awful from someone who isn't a Formula One driver and is no, nowhere near there. But it, it's almost embarrassing to see that because you get used to Formula One drivers, even if ultimately they aren't the quickest and maybe they know it deep down. They always kind of exude this air of supreme confidence and, you know, in equal conditions, yeah, I can beat anyone. Perez just seems to have accepted how far off he is. And he's, he's really far off Max. And I know Max is awesome in terms of pace. He's really exceptionally fast, but he's not a god. There are other Formula One drivers who can match Max for pace. I, I feel like Perez has just accepted his, his role of being way slower. And if the Red Bull wasn't so far ahead in terms of pace this year, towards the second half of the season at least, then... Perez could have been, he could have had many drivers between him and Max in the standings. You know, he was so far away from Max's points tally in the same car that if other teams were a bit closer, Perez would be embarrassingly far down the order. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the thing about it all, you say he was gracious, uh, you know, gr- gr- um, grateful. Because he was. Because until he won the race at the end of 2020... He was out. He wasn't going to be in Formula One. He won that race, and all of a sudden, he gets signed to Red Bull. They saved his career. He'd be sitting on the sidelines still if if it wasn't for Red Bull. And he now has to watch himself very, very closely because of Daniel Ricciardo. Daniel Ricciardo is now the third driver, test, reserve, and social media-y person. Promo driver. He's going to go do donuts in car parks for a year. Exactly. But it is no secret that Red Bull love Daniel Ricciardo. They were wounded when he left. They did not want him to go. Um, And I think they are happy to have him back. Um, He looked very, very happy to have taken that position with them, despite the fact of being offered a Haas seat, despite the fact of being in conversation with Mercedes for a similar role that he now has at Red Bull. And if Perez gets to halfway through the season and he's doing as poorly as he did the second half of last season, he's gone. 
Now so I think Daniel Ricciardo will come into that seat. The luxury Red Bull have in this respect is nobody really, unless they go for one of the you know the very top guys that we that we've spoken about, and we know they're not going to go for them. Anyone else that they put in that seat isn't going to beat Max anyway. So it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. You can get any. You can put pretty much anyone else in that that seat that you want, and you don't really have to worry that oh we're going to take points off each other. No, he's still going to finish behind Max, even if he does a brilliant job. But it'll be closer. And I think you're right. It, if Perez is in a situation where he is hemorrhaging constructors' championship points, I don't think they care that much because Red Bull very much care more about just getting Max to another title. That's the that's a sexy title, isn't it? No one really cares about constructors. But yeah, I think they, they've got the chance, even if it's just to to put pressure on Perez, that you know, having Ricardo waiting in the wings. I still don't think he's coming back, though. They... Um, I, I think with regards to that conference, that, that what you said about Max and no one's challenging him, I think there's only four drivers on the grid that could think about getting close to him. Lewis, obviously, Charles Leclerc, Max and George. Uh, not, Wait, um, Lando, Lando and George. Lando, Lando yeah. George. Um, Agreed, by the way. Agreed. I'd, put, I'd put George at the back of that list. Um, I probably will put him further up after this season. Um, I, I just... I. I just, I mean, I've spent the last however many years since he joined Williams saying that George Russell is the future. And I still believe it. Um, but I also believe it about Lando Norris too. Um, Charles Leclerc needs something to kick him up the arse quickly. And he needs to stop making the mistakes because he makes the most mistakes out of those four. Lewis, we all know, couldn't go toe-to-toe with Mac, no problem at all. Um, but apart from that, there is nobody else close on this grid. Even Fernando Alonso, I think, in that kind of intense battle throughout the season, I do think the age would wane on him, and the politics and the, um, the the way a team runs would mean Fernando just mentally, I don't think, could handle it. So we are we're over an hour into the show, so this is going to be our longest show, but that's okay. We can we can run a bit longer because we started much earlier than normal as well. Mm-hmm. Before we end our twenty twenty three. Driver oh god, we've been team. talking about this for an hour. <laughs> yeah. This is good though. This is this is a good subject to talk about. Yeah. Um who's going to win the title? Let's wrap up with who who's going to be first, who's going to be last. Who do I want? Or who do I think? Who do you think? God. Um It all depends on that W for 14, but it all I think I still think it's going to be a max season, and you have no idea how much. Yes, yes, you do. You know how much it hurts me to say that, but they were really far ahead at the end of last season. Um, they won pretty much every single race towards the end of the season uh, after the summer break, and yeah. Wait, I, but I, but I, they're I, being I, but they're being penalised heavily for their overspending. Yeah, my, my, my contact in, in the aero team at Red Bull also said it's not going to make a slightest bit of difference. It might, it might hurt them a little bit with development at the end of the season. So yeah, I think, I think we all, we all kind of knew that. Uh, my prediction... Oh, who, who's going to come last, by the way? Last? Yeah. Williams, no, unfortunately. Which, which driver? It's going to be Sargent, I think, isn't it? Yeah, I think Albon will, will, will get the couple of points that they need. Yeah, okay. Um, so my predictions are... I think George Russell, if the W14 is any good, George Russell's going to win the championship. And I'm saying that because I Based want, on... I want Lewis to win. So if, if Lewis wins, I'll be happy because he's the one I want to win. And if Russell wins, at least I was right. 
So, <laughs> I, and I, I, I believe if George wins, it will be because of the scenario that I mentioned before, which is it will be Lewis and Max running into each other. Um, and I think it very this season will play a lot on what Lewis does next, because if every single time he gets anywhere near Max, Max just keeps running him off the circuit. Is he going to want to just deal with that? You know, um, it's a shame because my whole theory for the season just gone was before we before the W twelve came out as a dog, W thirteen came out as a dog was um, that let George keep running into Max so Lewis can win the title. Yeah. In case, if I was Toto, I would have said to George, "Do not pull out from any move." With Max Verstappen, if Max wants to hit you, let him hit you, um, because then when Lewis gets his eighth title, decides to disappear off because he's got number eight, and that's a good enough number. Thank you very much. For the following season, Max will know you aren't going to back out. So I, I think we we learned, didn't we? If we weren't sure, I think we learned for sure this year at Brazil that the Max Max has issues when he's racing with Lewis because he decides to. Um, he, he, the reason, (laughs) the reason he doesn't crash with most other drivers is because he doesn't have to, he's a skilled enough driver that he, he does understand the dynamics and he understands what what happens when he puts his car at certain speeds and certain positions. And he, he just makes different decisions when he's around Lewis. So anyway, there we go. That's, um, that's the, our, our season preview. However, the juicy bit of this episode is the thing I really wanted to talk about. And I haven't for about lab- three weeks. Yeah, I've been wanting to talk about this for ages. I've labelled my buttons incorrectly, so I hope the right image pops up. <laughs> but this is the curious case of Luca Badoa when he got his Ferrari chance. So those of you who are new Formula One fans definitely won't know this story, I imagine, because it's a real obscure side tale. It's a little side quest in the Formula One viewership over the years i'll keep an eye on the list on the listeners and in, in the twitch in the in the twitch in the in the twitter and the viewers on the youtube to see it's how go, it goes. it's gonna drop isn't it um, <laughs> and, but and, don't it is a really interesting story so please listen to the story because it's really good if alex and i get this wrong or miss details is likely. please feel free to fill in but i'm and if you want to chip in alex feel free because i'm just gonna like offload everything i can remember but the year is 2009 Braun GP were romping to the championship and Red Bull were catching them towards the end, but ultimately Jensen Button was going on to, to win for Braun. But in the background were Ferrari, who were still reeling from not quite winning the championship in 2008, where Massa lost it at the, you know, the final lap at, at Brazil when Hamilton overtook Glock. Anyway, that was the previous season. So we're one season on from Hamilton's first championship. And... Felipe Massa suffered the uh, the misfortune of driving into a spring which had fallen off the back of Rubens Barrichello's brawn. Horrific. Big, chunky, heavy spring. I've held one of those springs and I wouldn't have wanted it thrown at me gently from a metre away. And the fact that he came bouncing across the road at 90 miles an hour is horrifying and he's a lucky lucky boy so at the hungarian grand prix massa encountered this spring super unlucky no head protection other than your helmet and fortunately the spring hit the the top of his visor not in the middle of his visor um, and there was enough structure to the helmet that 
Massa survived, but was knocked unconscious, crashed into the barrier. He was out for the rest of the season. So Massa was off with a fractured we didn't skull. Know if it, we didn't know if he was ever coming back. No. So Massa, Massa out. So Ferrari need a replacement driver to partner Kimi Raikkonen. Now, the the problem they had was they had some... They had, uh, they had a few drivers they could have put in. There were up-and-coming drivers, GP2, uh, so the previous Formula 2 drivers that they could have slotted GP2 in. GP2 driver, GP2 Mar- driver. They had a couple of test drivers, Mark Genet, but a driver that had been on Ferrari's books for a number of years was their test driver, Luca Badoa. And just to give you a bit of a background on who Luca Badoa was, he won the equivalent to Formula 2, which was Formula 3000 at the time, back in 1992, if I'm not mistaken. So... A long time before 2009, which is when, when this story takes place. So he was a good junior driver a long, long time before. Almost two decades before. And he'd raced in Formula 1 in the mid-90s. Um, famously nearly scored a point for Minardi, I believe, at the Nürburgring, the European Grand Prix. Um, and was running in sixth. That's been back when points only went down to sixth. Uh, but his car conked out 11 laps from the end. Anyway, so... He was good, you know, he was good in his prime. Definitely a driver that that could have done absolutely fine. You know, he was as good as, as pretty much any of the, certainly midfield drivers in the mid-90s. Go on, Alex, go on. Um, one point I wanted to mention that Kyle's just reminded me of in the chat, which was, so obviously this crash, the crash for Massa happened at Hungary. So it was the race before the summer break. Um, so they had a bit of time to do this. And the person they wanted to get in was Michael Schumacher. But Michael Schumacher, the previous year or in that year, had had a motorcycle accident and had a fracture in his neck and was not fit enough to actually race for them that season. And it's part of the thing that gave him the impetus to come back in 2010. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, See, this is why I love having the chat. They fill us in with like extra interesting nuggets. So the driver that Ferrari chose was Luca Badoa, kind of to say thank you for being such a good long-standing test driver. Now, Badoa was, at this point, very much towards the very end of his driving career, let alone racing career. And at the point Ferrari chose to put him in the car in 2009, he hadn't raced a car in a decade. Ten years was the last time that he'd raced a Formula One car. And in that time, a lot of things had changed. But he was never going to say no as an Italian driver driving for Ferrari even midway through the season, in a car he had never driven before. The last Ferrari he'd driven, even in testing, was the year before's car at Portimao, back when Formula One didn't race there. And uh, and that's because there was a testing restriction. Testing ban had come in mid-season. So there was no opportunity for him to get up to speed. So what looked to be a really bad performance when he had his first shot at Valencia, the street track which is no more, was actually, in hindsight, I think, pretty good. So Badoa came in. He was about three seconds off the pace, uh, two and a half seconds off of Raikkonen in practice or qualifying at Valencia. Sorry, go on. The thing to also remember, this year's the 2009 Ferrari was not a good car. It wasn't as bad as the McLaren was, but because McLaren and Ferrari had been so embroiled in the 2008 duel they hadn't focused as, m- as much on the new regulations for 2009. And both teams had slipped down the order. So it was not an easy car to drive, but it was also a car that Raikkonen had had lots of input in developing and testing and was eventually settled in the car. So it does have to be given the fact that it was a difficult car to drive as well. 
Yes, this isn't the. This, we're not talking about jumping into a dominant car. We're talking about jumping into a car, the equivalent. Midfield. I get uh, the equivalent of the uh, 2022 Mercedes, basically. You know, in terms of the pecking. No, order. it was worse than that. It got really? better towards the end. Yeah, by the time it got to Spa, when it when it when Kimi won in Spa, um, it was better, but it struggled massively at the beginning part of the year. Not so, as again, not as bad as the McLaren, but the Kurs is what helped them. So Badoa in Valencia qualified last uh, a couple of seconds off the pace, but didn't put it in the wall. And Lewis Hamilton actually commented after the sessions that it was, it was impressive that he was managing mm-hmm. to you know, get used to the tyres enough to, to keep it out of the wall, basically. Because Lewis a, gave him praise. It's a basically. tough thing. It's difficult to drive Formula One cars. All he, the drivers gave him praise, actually. Sorry, Brad, I didn't mean to cut you. Yeah, no, all, no. The, all, the dri- all the drivers gave him praise. Uh, about jumping in, having not driven, raced a Formula One car, you know, in a very long time, they all gave him props for it. But he was dead last. Slow. He was <laughs> he was at the back at the beginning of the race, his first race back in a decade. He made up, I think, six or seven places on lap one, um, and was actually doing respectably well, which is tough to do on a street circuit, a tricky little twisty track in a car that's not the best. And then Roman Grosjean spun him round. Um, and I think he, I think he limped home last or second to last. He, it was, you know, not where a Ferrari should be, but, but it wasn't too bad. So Ferrari kind of allowed him to continue at the next race, which was Spa. And at Spa, that's where I remember Martin Brundle referring to him as uh, not Luca Badoa, but look how bad you are. And and I found that <laughs> hilarious at the time. But in hindsight, the poor guy was in an impossible situation. You've got no testing very limited practice all you're trying to do is not crash and you've got new tires to get used to a totally new car a new track at valencia for him he will have obviously known spa but not recently now this is a guy who had his prime career in the mid 90s and we're talking about the end of the the first decade of the 2000s so it's been such a long time since he was you know really in peak f1 condition and ready to go anyway he spun in first qualifying and qualified dead last um, and then in the race, kind of limped home last of the finishers. Um, although, as a couple of people have pointed out in the chat, he did set the fastest sector one uh, of the race. Whoop, whoop. He, he, he got purple <laughs> sector one, but sector one at Spa is just basically flat out. So you just have to do one corner and then it just keep your foot a down. A bit of slipstream and curves, which were, which was they were one of the very few cars to have curves. And if Who you're at had... the back, if you're at the back, you get a lot of slipstream. So um, he will definitely have benefited from but cars. Who actually? Stuff. Who else had curves that year? McLaren had curves, Ferrari had curves, um, Braun famously didn't. Red Bull did, but it kept dying. I can't. They always had. They all. Oh they always God. had an issue with curves. Force India definitely didn't have it. That's part of the reason Kimi Räikkönen won the race, or the reason Kimi Räikkönen won the race. Um, God, what other teams? I can't remember. So I don't remember. The chat will fill us in on that one. I don't remember who, who had or didn't have Kurs. But yes, you have touched upon Force India nearly winning the race. So Badoa was then replaced for the rest of the season, partly because of the, the negative media coverage, which now, again, seems really sad because he, although the results look terrible, he was improving. And, and I know for a fact how hard it is to get close to, to drivers who are used to a series, particularly a single-seater series. 
and and you do get close. You know, Badoa wasn't a bad driver. He was just pretty old as Formula One drivers go and hadn't done it for ages. So he just needed a little bit more time to get into it. Anyway, Fisichella, who had done a brilliant job for Force India at Spa, was he on pole and then came second in the race to um, to Raikkonen? And he only came second because there was a safety car. And then with the help of Kurz, Kimi outdragged him up to Lekum. So... Fisa Keller did a brilliant job in a you know midfield car at Spa. Yeah. Uh, Force India slash Jordan slash Midland slash Spiker slash Racing Point slash Aston Martin. That's all the same team. Um, <laughs> have always historically gone well at, at um, Spa. But but anyway, Fisa Keller did a great job. Ferrari decided to put him, he was an Italian driver, decided to promote him to the Ferrari seat for the rest of the season. And he also scored no points. So Badoa's job didn't actually look that bad. Um, in hindsight, but that was it. That was the end of his end of his chance. But the the curious tale of Luca Badoa, and uh, it was interesting, kind of researching that for for this episode because I vaguely remembered it, and I remembered him being like ten seconds off the pace. But that's clearly a false memory. That's mm. just how it felt at the time. Because in Formula One, really, if you're three seconds off, you might as well be ten seconds mm. off. You might exactly. I just I just remember him being awful, and I'm like, I didn't really know. I don't think I really knew who he was. Um, I think I'd heard of him, heard of him, knew he was a test driver, but knew nothing about his past. And I was just like, God, there has to be something wrong if you're that far off or you're just rubbish. And now I and think he actually did a, a really decent job, you know, because he was probably our age or older. But there we go. That was, that was <sighs> history with have Alex you, and Brad. Ha, have you not seen Connor's comment in the chat? Bad and older. Luca, bad and older. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, poor guy. Anyway. Alex, we've been on for nearly an hour and a half, which is is way way more than we would normally do. And touch, there's no wood here really, but touch carbon fiber. Um, we've only suffered very minor technical issues. I can list them. My light flickered. I forgot to unmute myself for a few seconds. If we That's can keep win. it, if we can keep it like that for for the rest of the year, and, and we are planning on not having pod fade. We're not a podcast yet, but. We will be. Uh, this is our first yes. episode I've actually recorded, and I will be uploading these to a podcatcher service um, once I figure out how that works. So if you guys have listened to this one, there's no point listening back to that one. But maybe in the future, if you're out in the car and you don't have time to catch us live, um, look for full chat um, on Apple Podcasts or Acast or whatever else you use. It, it's funny. Whenever I've been on a podcast, I've always um, listened to it. And if I've ever watched anything live like this and that I've been heavily involved in the chat, like our chat has been crazy today, um, I always go and listen back because you're so busy chatting away uh, other things that you sometimes miss other stuff, especially when we've been on things like Miss Apex when Matt will go off on a tangent for half an hour on tyres and I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to the Slack group. Um, I, think, um, I think it's always good to go back and listen. But um, if you guys want this to be a podcast... I think we're probably going to do it. We were, we were talking about it before the beginning of this show as a case of whether this one would be a good one to be the first one or we start it at the beginning of the season. And by good one, you mean it doesn't just go completely <laughs> to shit and everything stops working. And yeah, we don't, we don't just sit there and instantly talk about why are we losing frames and why is it all laggy? Why can't you hear Brad? Oh, Brad's too loud. <laughs> oh, Alex's picture's flickering, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so yeah, we've, we've got through that and, and hopefully you know, it's going to be like that for the future. So I've got some final things on my little notes to wrap up. Thanks to everyone in the chat, by the way. Thanks for everyone who's interacted. Thanks to the Twitter space for sitting with us and us basically just ignoring you. Um, Remember, if you do want to interact in future or go back and watch and see what we look like in some of my little graphics that we put up, 
go and search for Full Chat or Brad Philpot on YouTube or click the link in my uh, bio or at the top of my Twitter page. Um, so final things to wrap up. Um, remember to follow Alex Van Jean on Twitter at Alex mm-hmm. Van Jean and on TikTok because he thinks he's 14. What's your TikTok handle? Um, it's uh, for everything on the socials for me, be it be it um, Instagram, be it Twitter, be it TikTok, uh, be it YouTube, is all at Alex Van Jean. I make it very simple because I'm the only one. Um, I did a good video the other day of the alternate commentary um, from Brazil 08, where Crofty and Jonathan Ledgard absolutely missed Glock. And not until their timing screens told them that Lewis Hamilton was in fifth, that they thought Massa had won the championship. Um, and unfortunately, it ended up being a lot of hate against Crofty, and I love Crofty. Yeah, it's quite funny, um, actually, listening back to that. I, I hadn't heard that until I watched your TikTok video. And Crofty's like, and Felipe Massa is the world champion. Oh, oh no, no, it's Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> it's really funny. It, it, it's just, they, I just, I guess they just completely forgot who was ahead of Lewis. And, and coming into the last corner, why would you also be overtaking somebody? But they just hadn't been watching it. And it was only because Martin, it was only Martin Brundle who noticed Glock. Um, who was doing the commentary with Martin? Jonathan Ledyard? No. No? The other guy. Ted, not Ted. Are you sure? It wasn't Jonathan. Jonathan Ledger was with Crofty. Okay. Um, who was with Martin? Um, who was? Oh, James Allen. Oh, okay, yep. James Allen. James Allen didn't notice it. It was it was Martin Brundle who just saw the red and white Toyota. You know, the bright red and white Toyota of Timo Gluck. Um, but yeah, so um, so go and follow Alex on on his channels. And Alex, just before I leave you, you're you've been doing some um, simulator car livery editing. I- and I'm sure you want to promote that. Basically, I really enjoy messing around on Photoshop and painting pretend race cars. Um, I did a couple of free ones for a bunch of people on Reddit, and people really like them. So um, I'm starting to do a few more. I've got, got four on the go at the moment um, with people wanting to do it. So it's Project 4 Designs. Um, just hit me up on any of the socials and we can talk about it. If you do iRacing and you want a nice livery done. And remember to follow me at Bradley Philpot on Twitter and obviously subscribe to this YouTube channel. If you're listening on Twitter, go to the YouTube channel, subscribe, even if you then never go there again. Um, and until next week, remember to live life at full chat. No, wait, that's terrible. So someone send us a good version of like a like an outro thing that we can say. Wounds heal. No, no, Everyone no, no, no. Thinks- <laughs> don't, don't do that one. I was trying to think of something good and I just fully failed. Uh, but we'll see you next time, guys. Thank you very much and goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack 
for free shipping and 365-day returns.